0: Lesson. We'll be in Genesis 17, Genesis 17, uh, continuing to look at the uh, life of Abraham and uh, all that took place in his life as God uh, set him up uh, to be the father of the Jewish nation, the father of the uh, Israelites, the nation through which the Messiah would be born. Abraham had a big responsibility, and there was a lot had to take place as God set him up for that position. And so we'll be looking in Genesis 17 this evening. As you turn in there, I do want to remind you one more time about these cards that we had made. Um, they've seemed to be very popular right off the bat, and so it's just a simple little business card with a QR code on it. And pretty much any smartphone, you just uh, aim your camera at this, do not take a picture or anything, just aim your camera at it, and it will scan that QR code and give you a link that takes you to our podcast where you can listen to all of our sermons. And so uh, any message that's been preached here, you can find them on that podcast. And uh, normally, uh, like this past Sunday's messages would have been posted today had the internet not been down, and so normally the messages... Uh, are posted on Wednesday, and all the previous messages, and so you can just scan this, and then on the back is instructions on how folks can find our uh, services on YouTube or on Facebook. It's a great outreach tool, uh, and uh, it creates curiosity, you know, you hand this to somebody and they just can't help but scan that thing and see where it takes them, and so uh, it's a great tool if you want to tell folks about the church, you can hand them one of these and say, hey, scan this, listen to our pastor preach, and we got these available, and uh, the Since Sunday, there's been quite a positive response to them, so I just want to remind you that we have them. Uh, Grab you some, pass those out, and uh, maybe the Lord will use that to bring somebody into the church. And so uh, thank the Lord for giving us technology and allowing us to use it to get the Word out. And so uh, I believe that everything that is invented is invented because God gave someone the knowledge and understanding to invent it. But the problem is... Man takes these inventions and uses them for their own benefit. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's evil. It means that we need to utilize it for the glory of God. And so this is a way that we can utilize that for the glory of God. So anyway, back to Genesis chapter number 17. I've titled the message tonight, Breaking the Silence. Breaking the Silence. If you'll remember in Genesis 16, which we looked at last week, uh, we saw that And from the end of Genesis 16, verse number 16, until the beginning of Genesis 17, verse number 1, there are 13 years of silence. There is no mention of Abraham. There's no mention of anything that takes place in his life. There's no mention of anything that God spoke to Abraham about. It's just 13 years of silence. Of silence. Of course, Genesis chapter number 16, the content of that chapter is the union between Hagar and Abram that resulted in the birth of Ishmael. And uh, we saw how that Abram's impatience with God, uh, God had said, I'm gonna give you a seed. Abram got impatient. Uh, Abram and Sarah decided that they were going to try to uh, find a way to help God accomplish what God had said he was going to do. And so, uh, they, uh, of course, Abram took Hagar and uh, resorted in Ishmael being born. And, of course, Ishmael uh, was a son who became the father of the Arab nations as we know them even still today. And from the time of Ishmael's conception... Until today, this error that Abram made has been a constant conflict for the nation of Israel. One mistake. From the moment of conception, you remember we looked last week how that once Hagar realized she had conceived, uh, she began to act with disdain towards Sarah. caused conflict in the family. We'll see in a couple chapters further how that uh, when Isaac is born, there's conflict because of Ishmael. And we can watch the news pretty much anytime we want and find out that there's still conflict between Ishmael and Isaac. This error that Abraham made caused Ishmael a problem uh, that lasted for uh, all of time. Uh, We need to remember that when God promises that he has things under control, he has things under control. When God says, I've got this, uh, then we need to just sit back and understand that he's got this. Uh, And God had told Abram, I will take care of this. But yet, just like we do, uh, Abram tried to run ahead of God. uh, And in running ahead of God, Abraham created a difficult situation that is still being dealt with. You know what? So often we try to run ahead of God. And we create situations that oftentimes we have to live with the rest of our life because we got impatient and we ran ahead of God. And so we see that uh, we learn from uh, chapter number 16 that if Abram would have simply waited on God, God could have orchestrated everything in his way perfectly, but because Abraham ran ahead, we see that there was a problem. And then after Abram's error with Hagar, as I just mentioned as we opened the lesson, we find that the Bible record falls silent. Nothing. It is quiet. Thirteen years, nothing is being said. Thirteen years elapsed between the end of chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17. No word from the Lord, no notable events uh, in the life of Abraham, no development in the promise that God had given Abraham, nothing, just silence. You know, whenever you look at this silence here, of course, since there's nothing recorded, We can only speculate as to what happened or why it happened. But I believe it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that this silence may have been in response to Abram's impatience and running ahead of God. It may have been that because Abram was hasty in the matter with Hagar that God simply stepped back and allowed Abram some time to develop and mature in his walk with God. He gave Abram some time to recognize, Abram, I'm going to take care of this, but Abram, you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to maintain for a while. Abram, we just need some consistent Christian living. Now this isn't part of the lesson, but it's a great application that we can make right here that oftentimes we will accept Christ and we'll get all eager and we'll want to do this and we'll want to do this and we'll be wanting to run, 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 run when what God wants us to do is just live consistently. I need you to just be a consistent Christian. Some people uh, are all on fire. One day I think of a good friend of mine uh, who uh, he'll be all on fire and just ready to charge hell with a squirt gun and then six months later he's not even going to church anymore. And then a year later he'll be back in church and shouting the house done and then three months later he's not even going to church again. And some folks approach it that way. It's either man we're on fire but God's not doing anything so they quit. Oftentimes what God wants out of his people is just consistency. Just be there, be faithful, do what you know is right and just be faithful and wait on God to take care of the rest. And I believe that very likely what happened here is Abram got hasty and God said, all right, Abram, we're just going to maintain for a while. Abram, we're going to let you grow. We're going to let you mature. We're going to let you just get consistent in walking with me. When we see that it appears, when we come to chapter number seventeen, that Abraham had realized the seriousness of what he had done, and Abraham had done just that. Abram had settled in to just faithfully, consistently serving God. And the reason I say that is, we'll see when we get into chapter number seventeen. Is although we haven't heard from Abram for thirteen years, uh, Abram's relationship uh, and his uh, his um. Worship and adoration of God hasn't changed one bit. Uh, Abram is still just as much in love with God as he was before, if not more so when we come into chapter number 17. Abram had learned to just consistently live and patiently wait on the Lord. And so we come to chapter number 17 and we see that God breaks the silence. God, having watched Abram during this time, feels that the time is right to, to move forward with the fulfillment of the promise. And he interrupts the silence with a very special visit to Abram and Sarah. So we're going to read here in chapter number 17. I'm going to read verse verse 1 through 6, then we're going to drop down and read verses 15 to 22, uh, and then we'll look at the entire chapter as we go through the lesson. But look with me in chapter 17, verse number 1. And the Bible says, and Abram was 90 years old and 9. And this is how we know that 13 years elapsed. In verse number 16, the Bible says that he was uh, fourscore and six years old, which would be 86. And then we come to verse number 1, and Abram was 90 years old and 9. A little simple subtraction tells us 13 years elapsed right there. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant was with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Then if we go over to verse number 15, it says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up. From Abraham. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll get into the lesson. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the for the record that you have given us, Lord, of calling Abraham. And then, Father, I thank you for the practical applications that can be found in the record. And, Lord, as we learn of Abraham, we can also learn of ourselves. And, Lord, as we see how you re- you worked in Abraham's life, we can see how you work in our life. And, Father, as we look through this lesson this evening, and, Father, I... I pray that we will gain knowledge uh, concerning the history, uh, Lord, of the children of Israel and, Father, the the line that the Messiah came through. But, Father, I pray that we also be challenged in our hearts that, Lord, we might live the way you would have us to, Father, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity and this privilege to be in your house. Lord, I do pray, uh, Lord, all the requests. And, Lord, as we prayed, we spoke of those that had lost loved ones. We lost of those that had died in tragedies. We, We spoke of those, Lord, that are suffering from uh, sickness and illness and disease. And, uh, Lord, we spoke of those that, uh, Lord, are in need of help from you. And, Father, I think of all those that are hurting. Father, I pray, dear Lord, that you will just work in their lives. I pray that you'll touch them and help them. And, uh, Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, whatever the situation they are in, that, Father, they will look to you. For, Father, in you is where they can find hope and peace. And, Father, I pray that you'll be with them. I pray, dear Lord, you'll be at the children's programs downstairs, be at Brother and Pastor Kent, as they preach and teach the young people. Father, I pray that you will be with each and every one of them. Thank you for your goodness. Bless in the service this evening, I pray. And, Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 13 years have passed and God breaks the silence. And we see that although God had spoken with Abram concerning this covenant many times before, there are several places that we have looked at already where God has spoke of this covenant with Abram, uh, we see that this time far more is revealed than had been revealed before and there are some changes and some additions made that make it Come home to Abram that this is, that God is doing something and that something is uh, getting ready to take place. There are some things that are set in order that will not only confirm to Abraham, but that will confirm to all generations following Abraham that God is going to keep his word. God is going to do what he said he would do. As we start into the lesson, the first thing we see in verse 1 and 2 is the appearance and the introduction of, of God. The appearance uh, and introduction of God. It says that when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram. Now like I said, we don't know exactly what transpired uh, in those 13 years, but it does appear uh, that Abram was just consistently living by faith. He hadn't really had a visitation from God during this time. And here Abram is consistently living, just going about his daily life, and the Lord Appeared to Abram. Uh, the Lord appeared, and there he is. The Lord appeared to Abram, and he said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, The little tidbit for you here is the Bible tells us that no man hath seen God at any time. However, we do have many instances in the Old Testament where we see that the Lord appeared to someone, just as we see here. And you say, well, this seems uh, to be a contradiction. This seems to me uh, that the Bible has contradicted itself because it says no man has seen God, and here we are seeing God. But if you remember a couple uh, weeks ago when we were talking about Melchizedek and in talking about Melchizedek, we introduced how that some folks uh, think that Melchizedek was possibly what we call a Christophany and that is an Old Testament appearance uh, of the bodily Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And throughout the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, we will see places where the Lord appeared. And it is most likely... That in all of those instances, it was a bodily appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament. And what this does is no one has seen God the Father, but God the Son was seen during his earthly ministry, and he was seen on earth prior to coming to earth as a son. And so we see here that uh, a very interesting thing in this passage when we consider this because Abram was 90 years old and nine and the Lord appeared to Abram. So here we have what would be the Lord Jesus in his bodily form appearing in the Old Testament and look what he says to Abram. I am the almighty God. Now there are some cults that teach that Jesus is not God. They teach that he was a good teacher, uh, uh, he was a, a wonderful person. Uh, they have all kind of things that they will say about him, but they'll say that he was not God. Well, right here we have in the Old Testament the Lord saying, I am the Almighty God. Here we have right here in this verse a picture of the unity between God the Father and God the Son right here appearing uh, to Abraham. And so we see the appearance uh, and we see the introduction. God appeared to Abraham and introduced himself said, this is who I am. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd just been living there uh, for uh, some time, just going about my daily life, really haven't seen or heard from the Lord in a while, I believe this would have set me back a little bit. This would have caught me off guard. Here he is, the Lord has appeared to Abram. The next thing we see in verse number 3 is the reverence of uh, of Abram, the reverence of Abram. It says in verse number 3, and Abram fell on his face. And this is what I was telling you is that I believe that Abram learned, Abram grew in his relationship and in his faith and in his belief during this time because at the end of chapter number 16, Abram's running ahead of God. He's having illicit relationships with his maid. He's doing things that he ought not do. But here in chapter number 17, we see him falling on his face in reverence and adoration of an all-holy God. We see the reverence of Abram. When I think about the reverence of Abram, there's a a lesson that we can learn here, and that is that you and I can reflect on the attitude that we have when we approach God. There should always be an attitude of you are so awesome, and I am so small. You are so powerful, and I am so weak. You are all-knowing, and I am so ignorant. That should always be the attitude with which we approach God. You have the answer. I know nothing. And we see the reverence of Abram as he fell before the Lord. And the Bible says, and God talked with him. Now in verses 4 and 5 we see that God revised Abram's name from Abram, to Abraham. Let's see here in verse number 4 and 5, the revision from Abram to Abraham. It says, And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Now I see here... If you think about the life of Abram as we've looked at it so far, we remember when God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. This was a big step. This would be representative of our salvation when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees to come and do what God had called him to do. And from the time that he was called out until now, uh, Abram has been in a growing stage. He's been learning. He's been developing. He's been making mistakes. He's been doing things he shouldn't. He went into Egypt. He lied about his wife. He had a child with Hagar. Our, uh, this is the life of a fella that is uh, more than we like to admit, like us, making mistakes, stumbling our way through life, uh, and Abram is going along. And now we come here and we see that another significant change is taking place in Abram's life. There was the first significant change when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Now we see a second significant change when God says, Abram, Something's getting ready to be different. There's going to be a significant change in the development of what I've called you to do. No longer are you going to be Abram, but now you're going to be Abraham. We're going to change your name. Now, if you look at the meaning of those names, Abram, uh, by most all uh, references that I've studied, means exalted father, but Abraham means father of a multitude. God said we're going to change your name to represent... uh, what I have called you to do and who I have called you to be. Now Abraham's calling is not identical to our salvation and our calling, but it is representative and we can see a comparison here. As I said, whenever he was called out of Chaldees, this will be representative of our salvation, being called out of the world to follow God. But then we see that after a period of growth, God revisits, and he says, we're changing your name. No longer are you going to be Abram, but now you're going to be Abraham. No longer are you going to be an exalted father, but now you're going to be the father of a multitude. I remember myself. I accepted the Lord when I was nine years old, raised in a pastor's home, of course, around preaching all my life. Accepted the Lord when I was nine years old, and I was just a Christian, learning and growing and making mistakes. But when I was 14 years old, I received another calling that was ever bit as strong as my call to salvation, if not stronger, Brother Rick, if not stronger. I was sitting at a youth conference. The preacher was preaching. Um, we, God needs men who are willing to stand in the gap, and I'm just listening to the preacher, enjoying it. And, boy, I'm telling you what, something come over me, and God said, you will be one of those men. And I remember sitting in my pew. I remember I began to sweat. I began to shake. I was like, what? Me? Huh? I mean, my knees was trembling. I was, I've never felt such conviction as I was feeling that night. And God said, I am calling you. To stand in the gap, I'm calling you to be a preacher of the gospel. And I remember as soon as they started the invitation, boy, I got up out of my seat and I run to that altar. And the preacher come down and said, "Can I help you, John?" And I said, "The Lord's calling me to preach." And uh, and and he just lost it. Y'all need to go to some old uh, down in the hollow, West Virginia meeting sometime. I mean, he got down beside me and said, "Can I help you, John?" And I said the Lord is calling me to preach. And he left me. He jumped up. Woo, glory. He run around the building a couple times, and then he come back. And he said, he's calling you to preach. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> but there was a second calling. And we see here in Abram's life that God called Abram out of the of Chaldees, And now he said, Abram, we're getting ready to move on to the next step." You're going to be the father of a multitude. We're changing your name from Abram to Abraham. We see here that there is a new name. We see that there is a transformation. We see here that God changed his name. And then we see that the Lord goes on in verses 6 through 8 and we see a reassurance of the covenant that God has given him. Now, like I said, God has mentioned this covenant multiple times. But here in verse 6 through 8 we see that God reassures Abram of the covenant. And and we'll read the passage and then I just want to point one thing out to you about this and then we'll move on. It says in verse number 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. I want you to notice how many times in these four or three verses, how many times in these three verses that God says, I will. In verse number six, he says, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. He says in the next line, I will make. Nations of thee. He says in verse 7, the first phrase, I will establish my covenant between me and thee. He says in the first line of verse 8, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land. And then he says in the last phrase, sentence of verse number 8, and I will be their God. Five times in three verses, God said, Abram, I will, I will. I will, I will. I want you to know, Abram, uh, that this is something I'm taking care of. Uh, Abram, in the past, uh, you've tried to take care of it yourself, but Abram, I want you to know this is something I am taking care of. Uh, The responsibility is on me. Abraham, quit worrying. I've got this. You know what? Oftentimes in the Christian life, we worry and fret and worry and fret over things that God says, I got this. He tells us in the book of Matthew, take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall put on. For your Father in heaven knoweth that you have need of these things. He said, "Don't, don't worry about earthly things, but instead... Lay up treasure in heaven, where moth and rust does not corrupt, and things don't break through and steal. Focus uh, on building a relationship with me. Focus uh, on getting into my word. Focus uh, on on just having fellowship with me. And I'll take care of the earthly things. But boy, we just worry and worry and worry and stress ourselves out. You know, whenever we miss spending time with God, you just. Think about any day you want to pick that you missed spending time with God. And I know that schedules are tight and things get busy. Just follow me through the application. Anytime we miss spending time with God, it's because we're pursuing what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will put on. We're pursuing something of earthly importance and we feel like God needs to be set aside so we can pursue these things. He said, don't worry about those things. Don't, don't don't I got this. I will take care of it. I will supply it. I I'll, I'll do it. It's me. You know what? Sometimes whenever we're uh, doing a ministry and we're like uh, I'm terribly guilty of this one. I'm like, my, mama, I don't know. I don't know if I've got everything in place. I don't know. We, we, VBS is starting tonight, and I don't have the decorations done. Uh, <clears throat> where did we put the name tags, and who's got to log in? And, and I'm running everywhere, and I'm worried, and I'm stressing about it. And God's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. He told Abram, he said, Abram, you, you've been running around like a chicken with your head cut off, brother. Abram, settle down. This is my responsibility. You focus on building a relationship with me, and I'll focus on building the nation. That's how it's going to work. So God reassures Abraham that he will do what he has promised. And then we see in verse 9 down through verse number 14 the physical reminder of the covenant. And this passage is where uh, the the covenant or the ceremonial act of circumcision is introduced to the Jewish people. It says in verse number 9, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, thy soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my... Covenant. Now, of course, we could dig in and do quite a, an extensive study on circumcision and what it means and how it applies, but since we're mainly focused on Abraham, we'll just look at it briefly. But this is where God instituted the covenant of the Jewish people practicing circumcision. There was a couple reasons for this. One, this was to serve as a generational reminder of the promise. For generations after generations, the Jewish people stood apart from all other nations in that they practiced circumcision. And they knew why they practiced this because... It was part of the covenant that God had given Abraham. So every time a child was born and they went through the procedure at 8 days old, the family was reminded that God had promised that they would be a great nation. God had promised that a Messiah would come through them. This was a generational reminder for the Jews over and over and over again. It marked them as a nation. It was a distinguishing mark that separated them from all other nations. Not only that, it was an indication of their dedication to God. This was a way in which they let other nations recognize we follow God. This was a way that the nations would be like, why do you do that? Because we follow God. Why do you do this to your children? Because we follow God. Why do you practice this in your homes and in your families? Because we follow God. It was a direct link. This is what God has told us to do. Nobody else is doing it. We get that. But God told us to do Therefore we do it. And it was a direct indicator. It was a testimony to the other nations that this sets us apart. Now just as men always do. Uh, We can see in the book of Acts that once Christ came and Gentiles began to get saved, and we realize that the Messiah has come so there's no longer any need for the practice of circumcision and this is something that's no longer necessary because we have the new covenant, but we see that there were some Jews who were so attached to this ceremony that they began to demand that the Gentiles practice circumcision in order to be born again and Paul and Peter and uh, all had had to go to Jerusalem. They had to have a council and they had to discuss This and recognize, hey, salvation isn't by works. They don't have to become a Jew in order to get born again. This was something that was for the Jews. It was a generational reminder that God had promised Abraham he would make of him a great nation. Now there's a direct comparison that can be made to you and I. The Bible tells us come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord. The Bible tells us in the book of Titus that he called us to be a peculiar people, uh, that he called us to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He said, As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now this is not speaking of practicing circumcision, but this is saying that God's people are to be distinctly different from those that are not God's people. There are to be some distinct differences in God's people that set them apart from the ways of the world. Now, and I'm about to get on a rabbit trail and I'm nearly out of time, so I'm going to to have to cut this short. But this setting apart has been identified by so many people in so many ways. And I believe that we should look different in that we don't follow the trends of the world. I agree with that. I think we should look different or act different in the type of music we listen to and in the and in the um, places we go and the type of entertainment we enjoy. I believe all that applies. But a lot of times that's been made the big subject. But that's not the big subject. The way we're supposed to be different is that we... Have a relationship with God that is obvious and it is easily identified. And when people get around us and they interact with us, they are exposed to a person whose personality is flooded with the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. That's what they see in us, and that's what lets them recognize these people are completely 100% different. You say, why you run that rabbit trail, Pastor John? Because I've met so many people who have a good haircut, who wear the right clothes, who don't smoke or drink, but are the most bitter people you've ever met, the most unloving people you've ever met. And I'm just here to tell you that's your, your haircut and your clothing is not the main thing. I believe it's important to God and I believe that we ought not look like the world but the important thing is that your spirit radiates the fruit of the spirit. And this is what sets you apart. Like I said, it is a rabbit trail. Y'all can just file that away extra for tonight. So yes, anyway, we're to be. Different. But then we see, trying to move on here, got a couple more things to cover. We see in verse 15 to 16 the revelation of Sarah's involvement, the revelation of Sarah's involvement. It says in verse 15 and 16, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. I don't know if we're going to finish tonight because i got a lot I want to say about this too. But uh, anyway, we see here uh, Sarah and Sarah. God changed Sarah's name just as he did Abraham's name. Now there was a significance in the name change. He said, Abram, I'm changing your name. I want you to recognize that we are, changing. we are changing gears, Abram. We're stepping into the next step. I also want you to know we're changing Sarah's name. I want you to know she's going to be the mother and we're changing her name as well. But the interesting thing to note is that Abram's name clearly has a different meaning. But Sarah's name doesn't. Sarah and Sarah both mean princess. The name really doesn't change. Now there are some folks who are Hebrew scholars who dig in really deep. And they say that Sarai means my princess and Sarah means a princess. And they make the application that prior to this, uh, she was Abram's princess, but after the name change, she was a princess to the whole world. Like I say, they dig really deep to come up with that. So I'm not going to say that that's inspired, but you can chew on it and see what you want to do with it. But I see here, regardless of the name change, the meaning was not what was significant here. What took place is what was significant. And God said we've changed Abram's name to Abraham. We're changing Sarai's name to Sarah. God was indicating that the, the process was changing for both people. A significant change had taken place. Now it's interesting to notice that whenever God told Abram that Sarah was going to be involved, this was Abram's desire all along. We'll see this just in a minute. This was Abram's desire all along. But Abram thought it was impossible. I mean, I don't know when they married, but it's very likely that they married probably 20s, 30s, very likely, maybe earlier. It's hard to tell. But now at uh, 190, they've been married for a while. And you can tell from the context that there's, they had a good marriage. There, there was no problems in their marriage. They had a good marriage. And they've been married, for, or been married for probably 60, 70 years at this point. And they've never had any children the likelihood of Sarah having children just doesn't seem possible. And so when God promised Abram a child, Abram wanted it to be with Sarah. He just didn't think it was possible. Didn't see there was any way that the child would be born of Sarah. So when God told Abram that he was going to have a child and that the child was going to be through Sarah, Abram was overwhelmed. And in verse 17 down through the end of the chapter, and we're going to have to come back and finish this later, but I'm just going to give you a little bit, we see the response of Abraham. Abraham was overwhelmed when he heard that Sarah was going to be the mother of his son. And just look right here in verse number 17. The first thing we see is his rejoicing. It says in Genesis 17, 17, Then Abram fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Now for a long time I interpreted this verse, and many others have interpreted this verse, as Abraham doubting God. But as I've studied this passage, Abram's not doubting God. Abram is, or Abraham now, Abraham is rejoicing. You say, how do you get that, Pastor John? Turn over with me to Romans chapter number 4. Turn over with me to Romans chapter number 4. We'll just give this to you and I'll let y'all chew on it all week and we'll come back and we'll we'll look at it further. Romans chapter number 4. Verse 19 to 22 is talking about this exact instance, this exact time and place in Abram's life. In Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 19, the Bible says, And being not weak in faith, he, Abraham, considered not his own body now dead, and here's how we know it's talking about this exact instance, it says, When he was about a hundred years old, old. So we know this is talking about this exact instance. We know that prior to this, uh, prior to Hagar, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, but that's not when this instance in Romans is talking about because he would have been in his 80s then. Here we see that he was he was just right at 100 years old, which in chapter number 17, he's 99 years old, right at 100, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Look at verse number 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. This laughter was not a laughter of doubt. Now later we'll see that Sarah laughed, and doubted. But Abraham's laugh isn't a laugh of doubt. It's a laughter of rejoicing. And I know that it's true because Romans tells me that he did not stagger, he didn't stumble, he didn't waver, he did not doubt God one bit. So what's going on right here? I'm telling you, when I, when I got this together, I about had one of them shouting spells I was telling you all about earlier myself. Abraham said, Read, read it with me. i got to go back. Where's Genesis at? Let me go back to Genesis. Here I am trying to read about Abraham in the wrong chapter. Let me go back here and read this to you, and y'all just follow how this works out now. Read it with this in mind that this is rejoicing. We see here in chapter number 17, Then Abraham, Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear." This guy is thrilled beyond measure. He had tried to run ahead of God. He had considered his servant. He had tried to run ahead of God. He had a child with Hagar. God said, this isn't how it's going to happen, Abram. And prior to this time, prior to verse number 16, God had not told Abram that Sarah was going to have the child. That had not been mentioned. Abram had just been promised a child. And in verse number 16, God said, it's coming through Sarah. Now, can you imagine a couple that loves one another, that's had a great relationship, that's been married for 60-some years, that has wanted children? and has accepted the fact that they're never going to have children. Then God says, Abraham, you're going to be father of a great nation. You're going to have a child. They know Sarah can't have a child. Where's the child coming from? Sarah is a person just like you and I, same, same emotions that you and I have. I'm sure all kind of thoughts went through her mind. I mean, she offered Hagar to try that. I wonder if she thought... I guess I'm going to have to die, and Abraham will have to remarry. Somehow God's providing Abraham a seed. Abraham had these thoughts. It's like, man, I'm so thrilled that God is going to make me the father of a great nation, but, man, I wish it could be with Sarah. But it can't be with Sarah. We've been trying to have kids for 60 years. not going to be with Sarah. And we know from chapter number 18 that Sarah was already at the stage of life that even if she had been able to have children, she wouldn't be able to have them now. And God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want to let you in on a little secret. You're going to have a child and you're going to have a child with Sarah. And the Bible says in Romans that Abraham staggered not at what God told him. He was fully persuaded that what God had said he could do, he would do. And Abraham was overwhelmed. I'm going to have a child with Sarah? And he rejoiced. It was a laughter of rejoicing that not only had God called him to be the father of a great nation, but God had also fulfilled his and Sarah's lifelong dream of allowing them to have a son together. I don't know about you, but it just gave me chills when I seen how all that fit together. This was a laughter of rejoicing. God was going to do what he said he was going to do, and he was going to do it the way that Abram and Sarah had prayed and hoped it would happen. There's there's more in this chapter. I was really trying to get the whole chapter, but there's just, there's just too much in God's Word. We just can't get it all. So anyway, we're going to have to go ahead and close uh, with a word of prayer. We'll come back and finish the rest of that up uh, next week. Did anyone else have a prayer request? Or-